Well, good evening. If uh, you're expecting Brother Marshall tonight, let me apologize in advance. Uh, now, the, uh, I get to preach tonight. My wife is at home sick. I, I think she's sick. Anyhow, she found out that I was going to preach tonight, and she decided she'd stay home, but it doesn't matter. She wrote the message anyhow, so that, that's okay. Now the, uh, last Sunday, we went to Sunday morning. Uh, we weren't here at Riverside. We were at Long Branch Baptist Church, which is up by Avenue City. Uh, north, there's a, a little church up there that's, that's trying to, to get started, which is kind of funny way of saying it, because that church is church building was built about the time of the, of the Civil War uh, like that, or maybe even before then a little bit. It's got a neat history of the church. There's a graveyard around it, which is similar to a lot of country churches, but it was, they, said, they said that there was a wagon train going through, and they were camping there, and I don't know if it was at Long Branch, where there's a creek named Long Branch there. I, I don't know, but anyhow, I hope it wasn't Long Branch Saloon that we've heard about on Gunsmoke. But anyhow, they were there. Anyhow, they had a little girl, a little six-year-old girl died, and so they buried her there. That started the cemetery, and there's lots of graves there, some Civil War soldiers and different things. And then about the time of the Civil War, the original church uh, got burned down. Uh, imagine that, church members splitting sides over things like that. Uh, but anyhow... So the, the church was burned, and they rebuilt the church where it's, where it's sitting now. Well, the, the church that's, or the family that, that's been pastoring that for many, many years, generational pastors, uh, were Christian people. Uh, and I don't mean Christ-like, like we're Christians, but I mean of the Christian faith. And the church was dying uh, pretty much dead. The only ones going was the, was the, the just family of the pastor and a, and a, and a few others. Anyhow, and, but they were, got a burden about it. Well, the, the mom and, the, and, and her husband, like I say, was a pastor. He passed away. And so they didn't even have a pastor and they didn't know what they were going to do and all that. Well, she had three daughters, and one of the daughters lives in Garnett, uh, Kansas, where Brother Lee Masters is pastor, and she goes, this good fundamental Bible-thumping King James Version church. It's a good one. Anyhow, and she went to Pastor Lee Masters and said, our church is dying. Can you help us? And tell me about it, he said. And so she started explaining the history. He says, Not, we can't help a church with the wrong beliefs. Like that, and she said, "Well, what do they need to do?" I said, "Well, they need to become Baptist." Well, what does that mean? Can you come and meet with them? And and the daughter kind of knew. She was hoping they'd go this way, and so Brother the Masters went and met with those folks, and they've been sending folks there to preach now for a good while. And they changed the name that used to be Long Branch Christian Church. Now it's uh, one of the members tried to make it just Long Branch Church. And no, 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 that won't work. Long Branch Baptist Church now. And so, and once they get a pastor, uh, all the folks that are members there have been going there for some of them all their life, uh, have all agreed 
to accept baptis, baptism. They'll want to be baptized and all that become baptism members of Long Branch Baptist Church. And so uh, that's where I was at Sunday. And, and I think Brother Mike has preached up there before. And, and, and it's still, they've, they've got still some problems and, and some things there. Uh, but we just pray for them uh, that the Lord would bless there. That's, you know, my first thought when I heard about it and, and Pastor talked about it was, well, it's kind of close to Harvest Baptist over at Savannah. But then Pastor reminded, well, Harvest Baptist at Savannah hasn't reached everyone in that part of the state yet, as well as Riverside hasn't reached everyone around here either. So uh, we have things to do also. And so I thought, okay, we'll just pray that the Lord's will be done with that. So anyhow, so need to pray for that church. There's still, like I say, a lot of things go on. They, it's, it's, uh, they're getting kind of excited. They think, you know, they've got some things going, and I just pray that the Lord will bless them like that. But they need, they need a, a song leader and, and all that. Uh, Mrs. Bush, the pastor's mom, plays the piano like that sometimes when, she, when she's not sick and uh, elderly lady. Anyhow, but with all of it, that's going. Well, anyhow, Sunday I was there and was going to teach Sunday school and preach. And so I was all excited and nervous and all that. But as when pastor asked me to preach, I always get nervous and kind of dread everything. But then once I'm there, well, then I really start looking forward to it, just like tonight. Well, anyhow, but when I got there, I walked in the back door of the church, and there's a few people there already, and there was a, one couple there I saw that I know them, and it was Stephen and Sarah Barr, okay? Uh, Brother Barr was, was a pastor that our church supported over in Illinois for 10 or 12 years, and then now he's gone into uh, Bible printing ministry, and so he's gone around, and Brother Leo Masters had Asked him, he'd been at the church at Garnett, and he had asked him to come up there, and he'd, Brother Lee Masters got his dates crossed and double booked for that, and so I didn't get to preach. But after Brother, Brother Barr lives in Benton, uh, Benton, Arkansas now, seven hours one way, and so he, he drove seven hours Saturday evening and spent the night, and then was going to go back after church Sunday. And I, he said, no, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and preach if you want. I said, no, Brother Barr, I'd like to hear your new ministry anyhow. But what was going through my mind is after, you know, I, I drove half an hour. He drove seven hours one way, you know, so I, I didn't want to take that away from him. And so I, I was glad to hear that. And he preached a good message on faith. And, and it was just what that church needed. So the Lord took care of that. But then tonight when I walked in here, so being a little insecure, I looked and the first thing I saw, Miss Amy and, and, and Natalie and Macaroni, I mean, Mackenzie, uh, Nicholson, and, and Chase. And I thought, I wonder if Brother Chuck's here. I wonder if he's going to be preaching tonight instead. <laughs> I, and, and then I was kind of looking around, and then folks from our, the prison ministry that, that uh, normally preach when they come in, they're here tonight getting ready to have a revival over at the prison. And I thought, I wonder if they're going to bump me out. And, and, but, okay, my securities are over. I, I'm here. And which, you know, I, they said, Brother Chuck is not here like this. But I thought, well, Miss Amy still writes all of his sermons. And so she could preach it anyhow. But we're, we're not doing that anyhow. So, and so here we are. 
I, I, you're, you're stuck with me. Now then, we have some visitors tonight. We're thrilled that you're here. And, and like I say, we're, if you came expecting to hear Brother Marshall, uh, I'm not Brother Marshall, and so you're really getting blessed tonight. And so when you, when you come back Sunday and hear Brother Marshall, okay, don't be disappointed. But, he, but anyhow, I'm, all of you all that know me know I'm teasing about that. And, and when pastor watches this on live stream, okay, uh, I'm sorry, I'm a deacon here at the church, and how I have been up to this point, but anyhow, the, anyhow so with all that going, the, as soon as a pastor asked me to, to preach tonight, message popped right into my head. Now, I have to admit, sometimes when I'm going to get to preach, the Lord will give me a message, and I'll kind of jot, start jotting notes down and things like that, and don't know where I'm going to put them, but then the Lord, then Lord starts putting it all together, and the pastor will ask me to speak or whatever, and an opportunity arises, and I'm like, okay, that's what that message is for. Sometimes he'll ask me to preach, and I start praying, and, and the well's empty, and, and those of y'all that have filled in the pulpit before or preached, uh, you know what that's like, and you start to get a little bit panicky, and then, then the Lord provides. Well, this one, as soon as he said, uh, I'd like for you to speak, Mephibosheth popped into my head. Don't know why I haven't been studying him. He's where my Bible reading's at. That's I've been in the New Testament, and so, but still, I just popped into my head, and part of it. Now I, I like the name Mephibosheth. We don't have any kids around here, but we've got some babies on the way, so maybe we will have a Mephibosheth. You know, I've you know, I'd be that'd just be awesome. But anyhow, I, I I've always liked that name. Uh, Mephibosheth lived at Lodibar. Okay, and that's a cool town. Lodibar. Hey, hey, Mephibosheth, where are you from? I'm from Lodibar. Okay, that's neat. But anyhow, Mephibosheth, let, let me quit. Let me get into this so uh, we won't. You, you all get over being so nervous, and so we can start with the message. And Mephibosheth was a crippled son of Jonathan, David's closest friend. Okay, and, and the Bible talked a lot about David and Jonathan, their relationship. And, and first Sam, excuse me, Second Samuel chapter four. If you'd turn there in your Bibles, please. We'll get started now. Okay, Becca's here. We can get going. Okay, Second Samuel chapter four. If you'd stand with me, and, and we'll read a little passage here. Second Samuel chapter four, and verse number four says, and Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. And he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as, he was, as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Let's have a word of prayer, please. Father, we ask that you take the foolishness out of my mind, Lord, and we, we want to preach your word. Lord, we know that there's a message here that we need to hear. Father, um, fill me with your Holy Spirit, Father, so, the, so I'll say the right things. Not be offensive in any way, Lord, but to preach the truths that you have for us. We thank you for those that are here tonight, Lord. 
Please meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Mephibosheth is kind of a, is, is, is a great story. It's, it's an account in the Bible that, that always thrills me when I get to thinking about it. And so that's one of the reasons I was glad to get to speak about it tonight. But also, I was glad to get a chance to study it up again and, and kind of go through some of the things of all that. Because Mephibosheth was, was the recipient, recipient of grace given through a covenant. Okay, and that's kind of where we are, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. And if you look back just a little bit in, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, back just a little bit, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, David was already anointed king, but he hadn't taken over the throne yet when this passage happened. Uh, but Saul was gone nuts for the clinical term crazy okay or well okay and anyhow he 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 wasn't right in the head because he had quit following God anyhow and so uh David was afraid and so he was running for his life he was fleeing anyhow and so he was checking wondering what to do here and so he met up with Jonathan and he and Jonathan, Jonathan said, meet me out at this field, and I've got, we're going to shoot. And my, my boy, I tell him which way to go shoot for the arrow. That'll tell you whether it's safe or not, or whether to, to flee. And in verse 40 says, 2 Samuel chapter 20, verse 40 says, And Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad. Okay, I, that's just cool, too. I mean, gave his artillery. That's, guys, when you're deer hunting. Yeah, I set my artillery down here next to the tree. Anyhow, but Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad and said to him, Go, carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David rose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. Never quite understood that part of it. They, cried, they hugged and cried and kissed. Yeah, it's not weirdo stuff, anything like that. They were best friends. They were like this. Uh, I hope in your lifetime you have someone, a friend close enough that sometimes you can cry with like this. But anyhow, it's going. But the part I didn't understand, and David, until David exceeded, I didn't know whether David won the crying contest or, or what. Okay. Now, me being a Williams and, and, you know, a history of my family and all that, we're criers. And so... I'd be, if there was a contest for that, I think I'd be good at it, but not, not because I want to be. But anyhow, David, until David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord be between me and thee, between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. There was a covenant made right there. Now, a covenant... Uh, it was an agreement. They, they. I started to say they shook hands, but no, they didn't. <laughs> they hugged and kissed each other on the cheeks like this. But they made a covenant that there'll, there'll be peace and friendship, not only between us, but from my kids and your kids and my grandkids and your grandkids and all that forever, like that. And and David agreed with that. 
And so, and so they left. David went on his way. And so this covenant thing is kind of a, uh, again, an agreement, I guess, if you will. Sometimes when, when I got married, I made a covenant with Julie. You know, richer, poorer, and, and all that stuff, okay? Uh, when I bought my house, I made a, the, when we first got married, Julie and I, and uh, we bought our first house, I made a covenant, a covenant with the mortgage company about, yeah, once a month, I will pay you, okay, so I can live in this house. There's a covenant like that. And that's, so there, now there's a couple of different kinds of covenants, probably more than that, but two that I want to talk about a little bit. One covenant is a result of actions. I mean, a covenant, this is what's going to happen if this happens. And the other covenant, the one I like the best is, no matter what, there's an agreement, okay? When Julie and I got married, it was a no matter what uh, agreement, covenant that we had. Now, I know in this world today, that covenant is heartbreakingly many times broken. It's a horrible thing. The uh, Bible talks about divorce, but only for the hardness of the hearts of the people involved there. Uh, Julie and I, we were very clear in our beliefs before we got married that we didn't believe in divorce and like this. And Julie says, had told me years later, if, if I ever thought that you were being unfaithful to me, I don't believe in divorce. I'll just send you to talk to your dad. Okay, my dad's been dead for a good while. And so kind of put the fear in me. And so I, I knew what she was talking about. And so, anyhow, but no, that covenant was one that was, was not to be broken, but it, it, it was agreement between us. Uh, love. Now, there's even a better covenant that God has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and that's, boy, that's, that's where it gets really, really good. Okay, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, I want to read another passage here, talking about that, if you'll, if you'll kind of follow along with me there. 2 Samuel chapter 9. David had gone through a lot of things. There was civil war in the land, and, and wars and battles and things that happened, and Saul and, and Jonathan were dead. Uh, and David had to fight other battles, and, and the kingdom was pretty much at peace. And David was able to take over the throne, and, and things had settled down. And he said, and, and 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, and, and David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him, un, called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou, art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. Now some people may pronounce that Ziba, but since I get to preach tonight, it's Ziba. Okay. Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet into the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Now, why is 
this important. Most of the time when someone takes over a kingdom and there was a different family that was king and this family took over as king, the family that's king now wipes out all the family that was over there. I mean, I mean, puts them to death, kills them, and, and, and all kinds of things like that. And that, that's why when, when, uh, when Mephibosheth's nurse heard that Jonathan and Saul had died and heard what was going on there, she ran to hide. She was a, I started to say, good nurse. I don't know whether picking him up and falling with him and breaking his back or whatever happened that made him lame on his feet qualifies her as a, as a good nurse, but she was trying to save his life, and, and what she did. Anyhow, and so, uh, so that's why there's some things there that, that happens. Mephibosheth lived in fear for his life every day because he's thinking, you know, maybe David or some of his warriors might find out that Saul still has a son. Now, there's some people in the kingdom that thought, Saul should still be king that might try and make me king. And, you know, there's always those things going on. And so he lived in fear, afraid that Ben found out. But Ziba threw him under the bus as soon as the, you know, David says, is there any left? Because Ziba was a, was a servant of, 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 of Saul. And he said, yes, th- there is. Anyhow, he said, let's go on. And the king said unto him, where is he? Where is this son? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he's in the house of of Machir, the son of Amiel. Again, that's how you say it, because we're here tonight. Anyhow, in Lodibar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. Now, when David said, Mephibosheth, I bet it sent cold chills down his Mephibosheth's back, kind of like at school when the when you're in, in school and, and you hear over the intercom, Terry Williams, would you please come to the principal's office? <laughs> Not that it happened all... Okay. Anyhow, it happened too much. But anyhow, but still, oh, man, I like this. The Phoebe chef, I'm sure, was pretty worried about what was going on. And then verse 7, David said unto him, Fear not. That's good words to hear. For I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, which thou sh- and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. This is a good part of the covenant right here that's going on. Ooh, this is, this. Here's this poor crippled guy. Now, I was trying to study this out a little bit, best I could tell, uh, Mephibosheth was probably about 20 years old then because the Bible said he was, was uh, five when he fell and became crippled, lame on his feet. Uh, 
And then, and then this was about by reading. Look, I've got a chronological Bible that, that I like reading. And so I went back and looked at the passages and when this happened and this happened, because it has a lot of the dates in there where it tried to. So it was about 15 years later after, after uh, Saul and Jonathan had died. And so that put Mephibosheth about 20 years old. But he's still crippled. Couldn't, couldn't really do anything for a living. He was um, just living off of whoever would take care of him. And so Mephibosheth didn't have much worth, okay? He didn't have much going for him. But still the king says, Mephibosheth, thy master's son shall... The, but Mephibosheth, thy master's son shall eat bread always at my table. Now, Ziba had 15, he was, uh, he was, David was telling Ziba uh, what was going on, so, uh, telling him about Mephibosheth, said, uh, and then Mephibosheth, or excuse me, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba was trying to build up his own kingdom. He was a sneaky rascal. Uh, not only did he, was he quick to throw Mephibosheth under the bus, you know, as figuratively speaking, say, oh, yeah, Saul's got another son crippled on his feet, and I know right where he lives, you know, and all that. Uh, but how David told, so I said, okay, all this land that you just kind of silently moved in and took over that you're taking care of now because you were Saul's servant, and then after Saul and them died, you just kept all of it, and you and your 15 sons and your, your 20 servants and all that stuff, trying to take care of this. I'm giving all that back to Mephibosheth. That belongs to him. And you still take care of him. Although Mephibosheth is going to eat at my table. He's going to eat at the king's table every day. And, and so in verse 13, For Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and was lame on both of his feet. So he, he was still crippled, still couldn't get around very good eyes. Think about what now. There are things going today in medical profession where you can help some folks. Now, some people that have really catastrophic injuries, like a broken neck or something like that, loses control of everything. You know, that's the ones you see that are in a wheelchair that their arms don't even work, and they drive their wheelchair sometimes by a straw in their mouth and do this and. kind of sad, but uh, they didn't have any of that going for Mephibosheth. Uh, I don't know whether they had wheelchairs back then or not. Uh, didn't say anything about it. It just said, you know, Mephibosheth had a hard time getting around, you could see, and because later passage we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But now he, he had problems with him. But Mephibosheth lived 15 years unaware that grace was available to him. Okay? You know, and how many years did you live before you knew the grace of God? How long was it before you responded to the grace of God? You know, <clears throat> I kind of wonder about Mephibosheth if he wasn't angry at God a little bit because of the circumstances of his life. Lived in fear, he's crippled. One day he's a child, a son of the king. And the next thing, he's living off of whoever will take care of him, crippled, and can't really do anything. 
afraid for his life because if the king or his servants would have found out who he was, he was afraid they would kill him. And so, you know, being a relative of Saul, death was always right around the corner for him. But, you know, until we respond to the grace of God, spiritual death is always right around the corner for us. That's always there. We, we were living on the edge until we accepted Christ as Savior. It was, it was, and, and sometimes we just don't know how serious it is. Most of the time, we don't know how serious it is until, until after we get saved and we think, man, I, I was one heart about, heartbeat away from going to hell. That time when that car pulled out in front of me and I just barely got stopped. I could have went to hell right then. Or maybe if dad's temper would have gone just that much more, I might have been killed and gone to hell right then too. It would deserve. But, you know, I'm just kidding about it. But, you know what I'm saying? We were many times, except for God's grace, we were close. We're close to going to hell. But now the king had entered to a covenant with the father of Mephibosheth. And at back, we read about that in, in chapter 20 and verse 42. Mephibosheth really didn't know about that, didn't understand. If he didn't know, he didn't understand, didn't try, he was still afraid of it. But our king made a covenant also. And that, that's the good covenant that we, can, that we can bank on, that we can rely on. It's a covenant of grace. Because of the covenant, the king extended grace to Mephibosheth. And because of God's unconditional covenant, grace is extended to us. You know, I mentioned about the covenant I made with the mortgage company when I was buying my house. You know, I make a payment, and then I get to live there. If, I had, if I'd have quit making payments, I'd have got bounced out. They'd have took the house back, and, and the money I had invested would have been all gone, and, and that covenant would have been broken. And it would have been broken by me first, uh, by not making payments like I promised and all that. But when God's covenant was given to us, the covenant that Jesus Christ took care of, when he went to the cross and said, that worthless Terry is meaner than a snake, and no way he's going to go to heaven unless something is done. And he made a covenant that's saying, I'll take care of it. I got, I'll make the payments. And, Terry, there's nothing you can do about it to keep it. You just accept the covenant, done deal. And that's, okay, that, that's where it starts really getting good when you grasp that. Uh, I've known my best buddy when I was in high school, was, went to Assembly of God Church, believed you could lose your salvation. And I thought, that's a shame. You don't have the peace that I've got. And he said, well, I'm not. You know, I'm not disobeying God. I said, wait a minute. We were both teenagers, okay? Do you always drive your car at the speed limit or less? Because I knew better, you know, two 16-year-old boy. And, well, well, I said, what if you get, if your speed limit's 40, you're driving 45, you run off the road and hit a tree and die. You died in your sin. No, it's not like that. I said, you know, and he said, it's kind of a steps. You know, people start, Denying God and fall. Uh, it's, okay, then, so when you die, half of you is going to go to heaven and half of you going to hell. 
It's which, which step? I like this. And so anyhow, we, we had lots of fun with that. And he'd get upset and we'd get excited. And anyhow, and get out the boxing gloves and things like that sometimes. But it was, it was fine. It was, it was great. But this covenant that we have, the peace of knowing like that, is a, an agreement the promises that God made for us, made to us, and he took care of it. So that rotten kid named Terry, which has grown up to be a rotten old man that still doesn't deserve to go to heaven except by the grace of God through that covenant that, where my sins were paid for. And now let's go on. Mephibosheth became as one of the king's sons. And through Christ, we become the sons of the king. The Bible says, I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They, they talk about walking on the streets of gold and stuff. I've got deed to that that my father gave me. Not because I've earned it, but because of that covenant that was given to me uh, when I accepted Jesus Christ's shed blood on the cross. And I repented of my sins and realized, you know, I got saved when I was 11 uh, and, and knew then that I was a rotten kid. Uh, teachers all picked on me. The bus drivers, the, the school bus that I rode on, he picked on me. I don't know why they all picked on me. And I was always in trouble. You know, I'm, I'm, I didn't know. Uh, but I was just, you know, a rotten kid. But I knew I needed to be saved. Knew I couldn't make it to heaven on my own. And so God took care of it. And so, one of the things I always like about when I see this picture of Mephibosheth sitting at the king's table, I can see the long, and maybe it's not exactly like that, but this is how I've got it pictured in my mind. I see this big long table and with the, all the turkeys and hams and different, all the food and all the neat, the sweetbreads and all that stuff stacked up there. And he's sitting there with the tablecloth crossed his lap like that and when people see him he had the apparel on then of one of the king's sons he looked like one of them you know and maybe his arms and stuff and dragging himself around doing all that he probably he did have wide shoulders and strong arms and all that but his legs were weak and all that but that part was hid it was under the cover it was under you couldn't see it when he's sitting at the king's table he was just as the, the son of the king. He was the adopted son of the king. Just like when Terry, with all my shortcomings and weaknesses, things I have, I get to sit at the king's table. Get there, which, oh, it's good. Okay. And now, those sins covered up. Those sins are gone. Sins, you know, uh, as far as the east from the west, sins are cast into the deepest sea and all that noise. Think about that when I read in Micah, I think Micah, and now we're sins are cast into the deepest sea, and I think, don't go fishing. You know, you don't need to drag those sins back up. They're gone. God took care of it. That covenant is there. It's sweet. Anyhow, so let's go on. It was important that we know that, that covenant, that we're there, you know, there, there's years of our life wasted sometimes before we're there, uh, but God's grace 
covers our shortcomings the same way as the grace of, of King David covered the shortcomings of his adopted son. Okay, now, Mephibosheth was a beneficiary of David's faithfulness. Jonathan was dead and long gone, for, like, say, probably 15 years. Okay, and so that didn't enter into the picture except for the covenant that David had made. Is there David was faithful to his word, faithful to his promise, and we're the beneficiaries of God's faithfulness. God never made a promise that he didn't keep. He's still keeping his promises to those who are his children by faith in Christ. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. I give you eternal life. I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. With every temptation, there should be a way of escape. My grace is sufficient for you. Those whom I love, I chasten, as a father does his son. I will come again for you and receive you to myself. I will wipe away every tear. I will make all things new. That's just briefly going through some quick promises that, that God's made for us. But boy, that's promises you can take the bank. That's promises that ought to get your, 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 happy, your, happy, your happy button pushed. I mean, it, it, that's what a neat thing there when we think about it. Okay. Now, Mephibosheth responded to all this by loving his benefactor more than the benefits. Okay, now that's kind of neat to think about. Okay, uh, Mephibosheth loved King David. Okay, and 2 Samuel chapter 15 recounts the treason of David. Another passage, and we don't have time to read all of it. But now it recounts the, the, the treason of David's son Absalom. And David's retreat from the throne in Jerusalem. It tells about all that. Chapter 16 told us how Ziba, Ziba, yeah, or whatever his name is, I'm sorry. And how Ziba lied to David and tried to make Mephibosheth appear ungrateful and disloyal. Told you a while ago I didn't much care for the Ziba guy. Anyhow, but he lied to David and tried to make, you know, because he was jealous. Well, Mephibosheth had all Saul's properties and all that stuff, and Ziba was, was wanting them back. Chapter 19 records David's return after the death of Solomon, excuse me, after the death of Absalom. Okay, in 2 Samuel 19.24, says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. Mephibosheth was a mess, okay? The king was gone, and when we get away from our king, we become a mess. We might, we might still trim our toenails and trim our beard and take a bath and wash our clothes and stuff, but spiritually, we become a mess, and that's, that's where Mephibosheth was. But he was in mourning because the king was gone and all that, and he just pretty much gave up on all of it. In verse 25, as we go on, it says, And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest thou not with me, Mephibosheth? Why, why, why weren't you there with me? Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? Where, where have you been? And he answered, O Lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon. And go to the king. 
because thy servant is lame. In other words, I was going to, when you decide to leave, I was going to get the donkey and get that taken care of. But Ziba said he'd take care of it, and, and he didn't. And there I was, and I've just been, been stuck here without you. Verse 27, and he has slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. You know what's right, David. Well, whatever you decide, you've been good to me in the past. But now then, if it's bad, whatever, you're in charge. You can do that. Just do whatever's good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore I have yet? What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Down Ziba divide the land. David says, Doesn't matter. You guys split it up, whatever's going on with that part of it. You're still supposed to eat at my table. You're you're still to be with as one of the king's sons. You were there. And so Mephibosheth was one of the first ones to greet King David when he entered the city. Okay? He came up to see, he came to him. And it was probably harder for him to get there than anybody else. Okay, when Miss Christie broke her foot and ankle and all that, one foot, she had a hard time getting around and she it was sometimes just an excuse to prop her feet up during church, but no, I'm just kidding, just teasing her. But no, uh, but imagine if both of them and her legs were all useless, it'd be pretty hard to get around. And, and Mephibosheth didn't have one of those little neat scooters that he could push around with the horn on it like she had. But no, uh, it was probably harder for Mephibosheth to get there than anybody else. But he was one of the first ones there to greet King David. And I imagine that's because he was watching for him. He was looking for his return. It was there. And sometimes when we get in that state where we're a mess, we need to start looking for Jesus. We need to start looking for the king and start getting things organized so we can get back right. Uh, you know, oftentimes the most faithful are the ones to whom faithfulness is the most difficult. Uh, you know, when I was working on that point a little bit, I thought about Miss Norma back there. They drive... Uh, what, 30, 35 miles one way, come to church. Probably not always easy to get her ready for church and all that. And her son's faithful to, to bring her, which I'm thankful about that. And so, uh, but always faithful, always here. Uh, now, Mephibosheth, talk about him, he was a mess. The toenails on his lame feet had not been cut since David left. Okay. That's just kind of gross. Guys, Uncut toenails are disgusting. Now, kids, you can tune this out a little bit, but us of senior people, you know it's harder and harder to trim your toenails because you bend over and you run out of wind and, and all that. And, and I said, Julie, would you trim my toenails up? And she, and she just laughs. And, and oh, But anyhow, so I have to do it myself. But anyhow, but that's all right. But anyhow... Mephibosheth was a mess. I mean, it said he hadn't dressed his feet, uh, hadn't trimmed his beard, his clothes hadn't been washed. I imagine Mephibosheth stunk. Okay? 
And why? Well, he'd been in mourning over David being away. And sometimes when we let sadness come on us, like that part, we just kind of stink spiritually. We need, we need to realize that our Lord's coming back. We can bank on it. He made that promise to us that we know he's coming. And so we can get cleaned up and stay cleaned up and, and be happy about what the Lord's going to do. Okay, let's go on. Okay, and David, now he was confused because of Ziba's false accusations. So David just says, you two divide land and, and all the money. I don't care like that. You work it out. And Mephibosheth says, pretty much, Ziba can have it all. I don't care. All I care about is you. I want you in Jerusalem. I want you on the throne. I want to eat with you at your table. And I want to be like your sons. And that's where we need to be as a beneficiary of the covenant of the Lord, we need to not love the Lord just for the benefits. And there are obviously benefits. You know, the, the, my life is not what it would have been if I hadn't have been saved. Okay? Uh, even, and I, could, I knew the direction I was headed even as an 11-year-old kid. Uh, Dad wasn't saved yet, and he was an alcoholic, and so the alcohol, the whiskey and stuff was always around the house. And... and uh, Sometimes I get into that just because that's stupid and, and all that. Uh, first time I ever became drunk, I was about in the first grade. Uh, we were going to the lake, and Dad had been drinking, and we were all in the car, and I think it was my uncle was driving in, and so Dad had been drinking. So he started giving me beer, and so I started drinking. And I thought, this is kind of cool, and then, it didn't, of course, it doesn't take much, and so I started showing off, and thinking I was being funny and all that. And Dad thought it was funny. And Mom kept getting quieter and quieter. And anyhow, so after the explosion, well, then Dad didn't give me beer anymore. But, uh, you know, I, was still trying, but I was a mess and, and would have been and know where I'd have been. I have, I have that personality that I can't just let it go. You know, I have to stay away from candy because if I get into a bag of candy, I go on a feeding frenzy. Okay, And I think if I was a drinker, I wouldn't be able to leave alone. So I, you know, the Lord just cleaned me up from that. So Mephibosheth needed to be cleaned up. And so Mephibosheth cared more about being loyal to his benefactor than he did the benefits. Does Christ find us to be equally grateful or equally loyal? Are we looking for the Lord? Not because of the benefits of a Christian, not because one day we're going to go to heaven, but because the Lord loves us so much. Uh, He's made us one of his, we're, we're a child of the king. Uh, we're, we're there, we're joint heirs with him. Uh, are we, does Christ find us to be uh, grateful, loyal, and loving? We need to be servants as a man who is lame on his feet, named Mephibosheth. We can be there because we have that covenant that was even better than the covenant that Mephibosheth had. Okay, Brother Andrew.